This week of the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about cloud volumes on tap, flex cash, and how they work together in on tap 9.6. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio and with me on the phone, uh, Shreya Paramkasam and Oren. Uh, I don't, I don't even know your last name, Oren. What is your last name? <laughs> in, in bar, in bar. Is that a exactly? All right, it's right in front of me. I didn't read it. Uh, so, Oren, what do you do here at NetUp? I'm a product manager. I'm uh, in the cloud business unit. Uh, I actually look after cloud volume on top, cloud manager. Cloud sync and cloud tiering. It's a lot of cloud. That's the motive. Yeah, that's what's coming back. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know why. Is that popular? <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's fu- funny that you ask, but uh, yeah, you know, all our customers are uh, somewhere in their journey in the cloud. Um, if they're just in the beginning or if they're already deep inside their uh, you know, cloud strategy. So, yeah cloud is uh, here to stay so i'm guessing that if i had some existential questions about cloud i could reach you and talk to you about those so um how do we reach you Oren? for me uh what what works best actually is linkedin so Oren in bar at linkedin o-r-e-n-i-n-b-a-r that's me all right we'll put that in the show notes so people can access it perfect also with us shria i mentioned uh so shria what do you do here at netup and how do we reach you I am a product manager also. I take care of, I'm an on-tap product management group. I take care of products like FlexCash that we're talking today and also Flex Group, which is our scale-out NAS story. Uh, you can reach me at uh, shriya at netapp.com, S-H-R-I-Y-A at netapp.com. Flex Groups, I've heard of these. Mm-hmm. Haven't we worked together on that now? We might have. I don't know. <laughs> uh, also with us today in the studio, live, in person, none other than Chris Hurley. Hi, Chris. Hi, Justin. Chris has been here with us before. Uh, Chris, if you could refresh people's memory of what you do here at NetApp and how to reach you. Sure. I'm a technical marketing engineer. I don't know what that is, but, you know, we just do stuff, right? Uh, so I take care of NAS and FlexCash. And uh, I'm on Twitter at AverageGuyX. What we're going to cover today is FlexCash, but also the cloud volumes on tap aspect of that. And before we get into that, I like to start off with overviews of what these things are, because you might not have heard of these things, or you might not remember hearing about these things. Um, we do have episodes of FlexCash for episode 165. We have an episode for uh, Cloud Volumes on tap of episode 180 of the Tech on Tap podcast. But Chris, give us the 10,000-foot view of FlexCash and what it is and why I'd want to use it. Yeah, so 10,000-foot view, basically it's a replicated sparse volume. So if you want to extend your volume namespace across, you know, same SVM, multiple uh, different SVM, same cluster, or even different clusters, just to keep uh, latency lower, give you more more compute, more uh, better network, whatever you want to do, you can take that volume, create a flex cache and of it, and that will actually cache your reads locally to whatever clients are connected to the flex cache. 
All right, excellent. And uh, Cloud Volumes, ONTAP, Orin, since you're the project manager, um, I want you to tell me about that. I am the product manager, actually. Um, so so I, I guess everyone have heard of ONTAP, if you heard about it. So, um, yes, tell me more. As it, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, at the end of the day, let's make it simple. It's ONTAP running on virtual resources in the cloud. So... Um, we're running in, in AWS, in Azure, um, in others very soon. Um, and you know, if you if you need to run your production applications, databases, file services, if you need to do disaster recovery and thinking about the cloud, uh, then Cloud Volume on Top is a great um, you know a great target for that. Um, the nice thing about it is that you're actually getting all the benefits that you're getting today with uh, with on top on prem. So it's the same storage efficiencies and tiering with Fabricool and, you know, SnapMirror and and really everything. You're also getting Cloud Manager together with it, which helps you to um, to manage multiple uh, clusters of Cloud Volume on top. So it provides you with APIs if you want to automate your uh, environment. Um, and it also does automatic capacity management, which means that you don't really need to you know, manage exactly how many disks you need. You'll let Cloud Manager do it for you. It will provision another disk and another disk or delete aggregates if you don't use them. So, um, you know, pure, like real thin provisioning in the, in the public cloud. And this is not to be confused with cloud volume services, right? So give me a little rundown of how that's different. Right, um, right. So in the family of cloud volume, we've got cloud volume on top and cloud volume service. Cloud volume service is, uh, you know, is a service. Uh, you just request a volume uh, with a certain capacity, and you select between three uh, tiers of uh, performance, and that's it. It runs. It's a fully managed service, so it runs on. You know, NetApp. Uh, it's kind of like NetApp is is hosting it, right? Your storage. Cloud volume on top is is different because you're getting all the benefits of uh, of on top. It runs on your VPC or your VNet, right? So in your network, um, and you could you know you could you could tweak it with uh, you know almost everything that you know with uh, uh, with on top. Um, so so it's a bit different. It runs on uh, you know on the at the end of the day, on native uh, native cloud uh, uh, services. Okay. So we're here to talk about the combination of the two. And what I want to ask first, Chris, is can I do this in ONTAP 9.5? No. <laughs> Sorry. What about 9.6? 9.6, yes, Woo-hoo! you can. That's a big thumbs up. All right. So uh, <laughs> why would I want to do this? So the and when bet- I say that, wait a minute, and when I say this, I mean FlexCache plus cloud volumes on top. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, we've heard about the cloud, haven't we? I mean, it's it's a thing, right? I just did. Yeah, Oren just told me all about it. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> so, uh, tell me why I want to use FlexCache with that. Well, what 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 do you think the what do you think the hardest part of getting into the cloud is? I mean, you got your data what on prem. And you're trying to get into the cloud. Now you got to move your data. You got to do all this stuff with your data. Well, why why not just create a replica volume? Why not just create a flex cache volume? Your data's on prem. You you've already got your your DR strategy. You've got all your all your strategies on your on prem data. 
So why not just throw up a flex cache in the cloud and start working right away? You don't have to worry about, oh, how are you going to back up your data in the cloud? How are you going to do this? How are you going to migrate? How are you going to whatever you need to do with your data? Just so, so I see a, another use case for this, right? So one of the advantages of cloud is being able to have inexpensive compute, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm doing something like an EDA environment where I'm basically having to throw a lot of CPU at a workload, um, I want to be able to have that workload as close to my CPU as possible, so if I've got it on an on-prem system, I've got to navigate that whole network through the cloud all the way down to the on-prem box. Right. With FlexCache, that gets me closer to the data. So therefore, I have a better overall performance uh, experience, right? Right, exactly. So you you know you want to throw up a FlexCache up in the cloud, and it's writable. It's read-write. So you can write back. You can write all the results back. That, uh, that the EDA workload does, and it's right there, right there for your EC2 compute or uh, Azure compute or whichever whichever cloud provider du jour you want to use. So speaking of that, which cloud providers do we offer? Right now, it's AWS and Azure. So 9.6, we added support for Fabric Pool with Alley Cloud and Google Cloud. We don't have that available for FlexCache today? No, not for, not for CVO. Okay. So uh, I'm sure but that'll Azure, be... Um, yes, Shreya? Yes. Adopts new uh, clouds and is supported on new clouds. FlexCache can totally work on those new clouds. Oh, okay. So we basically will inherit whatever new clouds that we get. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We'll inherit whatever whatever CVO supports. FlexCache will support that. Excellent. CVO will be supporting other cloud providers very soon. So, uh, so stay tuned. So stay tuned. So you mentioned writing and reading to the cache. Um, when I write... To the cache. Am I writing to the cache, or am I writing back to the source? Right now, it is called write around. So the write does end up to the cache. It ends up getting, you know, the NFS write packet goes to the cache. But then, what ONTAP does is it takes that write packet and sends it off back off to the origin, to the original volume, to the source volume. It's called write around. Write around. Write around the data. Right around the data, around and around and around. Right. So basically, we are having to traverse that network to write, but for reads, this accelerates performance greatly. Right. So the first read, if the when you create a cache, there's absolutely zero bytes of data in it. So you have the volume properties. You have some metadata that comes over, but that you know that's just to populate the the file sizes, the volume sizes, and that kind of stuff. But then the first read of a file actually has to reach all the way back to the origin, bring all the bits of that file back, or whatever you're reading, right? Whatever the, the bits that your your NFS client is reading, bring those bits back, write it to the cache, and then serve it up to the, to the NFS client. The second time you ask for that file, that same file, it, it uh, sees that it's already cached, it's still valid at the cache, and it serves it off to the NFS client without even having the contact the origin. And these are NFS v3 clients only currently, right? Right now, yeah. The origin will support all the protocols, but the uh, the cache only supports NFS v3 at the moment. So what about the origins? What can those be? Those can only be flex vols for right now, and but they can run any, uh, any of the protocols. You can do SMB, you can do NFS v4, you can do NFS v3 to all those, and they work just as just like you would at a, with a flex cache with normal you know, multi-protocol access. 
So you can have a source that runs SMB or NFS v4, but if you want to use a flex cache, then whatever's connecting to that has to be v3, right? Correct. And that'll be a separate mount point. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you can you can actually use uh, you can use auto mounter to automatically mount your clients to that mount point too. You could. Yeah. Because Automounter, you know, it, it uh, searches for the quickest source. Whoever responds first wins. So you have both the origin and the the cache in your Automount map. It'll it'll get the closest which one whichever one responds quickest. Excellent. So uh, Shreya, ONTAP nine point six brought us some advancements to FlexCache. Oh, what sort of things did we get in addition to support for cloud volumes ONTAP? Um, we actually have now uh, encryption supported, uh, end-to-end encryption. So the origin can be encrypted, the cache encrypted, and over the wire uh, using TLS, everything is encrypted. Uh, we also have other enhancements to the infrastructure, um, like uh, support for queue trees uh, on the origin um, and quota enforcement also. And uh, what else? Um, we More also caches. Have- Oh, yeah, we have also increased the scale of caches. We used to have a limit of about 10 cache volumes per uh, node in uh, 9.5. We've upped that limit 10 times now, so it's up to 100 cache volumes per node uh, in 9.6. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's going it's getting better and better. We also have some enhancements to the disconnected mode uh, with respect to how the origins and caches communicate when uh, it is disconnected. So let's talk a little bit more about disconnected caches. So what scenario would that happen? And what happens prior to 9.6? And then what happens after 9.6? Chris? Chris. (laughs) (laughs) We never see network disconnections, do we? No, never. Network network is never a problem. Let's let's just say... In the rare instance that the network, <laughs> the very might be rare the instance that the network is a problem. Well, you know, w- w- well, the first thing is, if it if you're at the cache, if you've mounted the cache, you can uh, always read what's already been cached. Of course, you can't read what's not been cached because you can't get to the origin. We haven't invented predictive caching. No, not yet. No. And we haven't we haven't solved the problems of physics and, you know, you know, Wi-Fi or, you know, just alternate paths that don't exist. No, we haven't fixed those. Okay. So so if we're disconnected prior to 9.6, what happens? Well, well the 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 um the improvements are actually at the origin. So when you're at the origin, uh, or when you're at other caches, right, that aren't disconnected, writes happen. So writes always, you know, land on the origin. Well, when writes happen, the origin has to go contact the caches that have that particular file cached, and then it has to go and validate that that uh, delegation. In 9.5, if a disconnect, if a cache is disconnected and has that file cached, has a valid delegation, all reads just get hung because the origin can't talk to that cache. Now in 9.6, the cool thing is after about 120 seconds, after about two minutes, what will happen is that cache gets permanently disconnected and then we can do writes afterwards. Now the cool thing is now, what happens when, you know, network's back? Oh, they decided it was actually a network issue and they connected everything back. Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. It was the network. 
Well, now we have a resync, and it's it's a it's an efficient resync. So you don't we don't go um, we don't go uh, looking at the bits or anything. So everything is soft evicted at the cache when the client actually requests a file. We just go check the metadata real quick and see if that file is still valid at the cache. And if it's not valid, then we'll go you know refetch the file from the origin. If it is valid, we'll serve it right from the cache again. Okay, so the writes that happen, they still take place on the source origin? Right. right. Unless there's a network problem that is preventing that. Yeah, if there's a network problem and you're trying to write to a cache, you're you're just going to hang. All right. So Tria also mentioned TLS 1.2 encryption, which, uh, Oren, correct me if I'm wrong, but people care about security in the cloud, right? I've heard that before, yes. (laughs) <laughs> Once or twice? <laughs> exactly. So having that encrypted path to your flex cache is beneficial. Why, Chris? Well, you know, it is all network, right? It's all the cloud is public. You have all that stuff going back and forth. So you don't want anybody to read your read your stuff, do you? Not necessarily. So t- tell me more about this flex cache connection. Like how could somebody actually read a flex cache is contents. So everything, so when uh, the flex cache actually talks to the origin, it's from the cluster peer networking point of view. So you have the cluster interconnect that are, you know, talking to each other, node to node communication. And if you are a man in the middle and you decide to just go camp out and put a sniffer on there, you can read all the bits, all the packets. And it's why it's open text. Of course, you're going to have to be smart to put it all together and put the file together, but you can probably put some files together and put some data together and figure out what's on the cache. So what protocol are we transferring that information from in ONTAP to the cache? So it's it's almost the same as SnapMirror. It's a SpinNP, so you know part of our Waffle backend protocols. So essentially what I'd have to have is working knowledge of SpinNP, um, some aspect of the source data, so right. I'd have access to that as well, as well as the destination. So getting that information, even without TLS 1.2, is going to be pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost exactly the same as SnapMare, right? So it, it, however you think you need to uh, protect your SnapMare uh, traffic and, and, and data, that's the same for FlexCache. So, yeah, and, and usually what these encryption requirements are are checkboxes more right. than actual... Needs for the security. Yeah, you got to go PCI DSS. You got to go GDPR. You got to go some, you know, some standard. Oren, would you concur? I'd actually like to talk, you know, even about because you said you said before, um, you know, that cloud is a lot about compute and compute power, and, and to me, cloud really represents flexibility. Um, so if, you know, when, when these are workloads that you need to run and, uh, you know, maybe run for a certain time, uh, maybe you have uh, remote, uh, teams or even vendors that need to work on your data, um, with the cloud, it's super easy to just spin up a new environment. So just imagine that you're spinning up in minutes, uh, a new, a new on top. On, on cloud volume on top, it could be in any region, it could be in any in any cloud almost, 
And in, even in terms of uh, even in terms of uh, of licensing, you don't even need to purchase a license in advance. You could, right? But you could also, you know, pay your uh, licensing, your NetApp licensing through the 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 cloud provider marketplace. So you could literally pay, you know, by the hour or even by the minute. If you need your resources just for a, you know, just for a, for a short period, if you're not sure uh, about the size that you need, you could start small and then uh, and then grow. So, so for me, you know, it's funny, right? We're talking about flex cash, right? So, the flexibility um, of of the cloud and what cloud volumonta provides you, together with uh, with flex cash, really enables you know new use cases. Uh, uh, new things that you could do today um, in the cloud, whether you're, uh, uh, you have your workload on-prem and you need to share this with the cloud, whether you need to share uh, uh, your data between uh, different regions or different even cloud providers, um, or whether you, your source is actually in the cloud and you want to uh, share that data with, uh, uh, with your data center. Yeah, and when I said compute, I mean, it wasn't, strictly on tap compute i'm talking about like actual nfs client compute because you know these people are putting server farms sometimes in the cloud to run compute on data sets that they don't want to pay for on-prem right they don't want to pay for all that extra server space and the data you know the rack space and the power and the cooling that they could just take care of in the cloud and at, at, you know, like you said in a very flexible way right exactly so but but that, so that that's great right so you could spin up and down instances and you could have a uh, compute in the cloud not on top compute, right? Compute in the cloud. But then what about your data, right? You need your data to be to be available. So are you going to replicate your data and, and, and you know, how do you keep it uh, consistent or how do you make sure that it, uh, everything is replicated and everything is synced? Or do you want to use the same shared, uh, shared data uh, to make sure that there's no inconsistency? Yeah. So, Oren, does that does that mean I could use like my on-prem data? I can do like Lambda services, or or like translate, or or go to you know whichever cloud has the coolest, latest tool to do whatever. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so you could literally run you know cloud services, whether it's analytics or or any other reason uh, to do that, and you're kind of extending your uh, your data from from your on time from your data center and uh, being able to leverage that uh, power of the cloud yeah and as you mentioned having the ability to, to do that without having to replicate it all right just having the chunks that you need yeah and then it's still writable so you can write but you know you don't have to worry about how am I going to get how am I going to get the results back right? You're right there in the same volume. Shreya, who's using uh, FlexCash with CloudLimes on tap today? Or, or if people are not using it today, how are they expecting to use it? So we don't have anybody using them just yet because this is just uh, very, very recent. Like it's it's just it wasn't released. Wasn't released yet. Yeah, we haven't yet released it officially. Um, but then we do have some uh, customers already testing it out, and a lot of customers very excited about it. So some of the use cases that we have uh, spoken about, covered a little bit, is first of all, cloud bursting, right? You have your data on-prem. How do you get that uh, to the cloud? 
So we feel that cloud bursting is actually one of the lowest barriers to entry for anybody wanting to look uh, to the hybrid cloud, right? So you really do not need a lot. You want to go, your company, your enterprise is actually looking at a cloud-first strategy, but you do not know how to get to it. Uh, what you could do is to identify the lowest hanging fruit with, with respect to the flex cash-friendly workloads. So basically NFS V3, read-heavy read workloads, and then use that to burst from the cloud for the additional compute in the cloud. Um, so we have customers uh, in the banking industry, like financial modeling, who use um, the cloud for the compute, the need for financial modeling. In this particular case, you basically have the same data set that you would want to run your models over and over again, and you need a lot of compute for that. So we have customers looking uh, to be trying that out in the cloud pretty soon. Another big use case is EDA, uh, tools and libraries. Um, so as the EDA workflow goes, uh, we do have some tools and libraries that get really hot and a lot of uh, users have across the world uh, having to use those same tools, the same data sets. So we have had customers, uh, conversations with customers where they want to try it out, uh, moving the tools and libraries into the cloud and then uh, caching them in the cloud and using it from there. Another important uh, use case that we have been actually already in the works trying out is uh, uh, rendering in media and entertainment. Uh, for example, think of a movie making, right? Like an animation movie where you have a lot of graphic designers uh, trying to render it. So what you're doing is basically using the same um, artifacts or images, and then everybody is trying to use them as they create the movie and trying to render uh, the image and the uh, movies, uh, movie frames. So uh, cloud comes up a lot, and that is, again, a very uh, good use case there in trying to um, use the computer of the cloud um, in their rendering environments. Uh, the other use case is the reverse of it, where you have the data in the cloud, and then you're trying to bring it closer to on-prem. So this is more like a cloud acceleration uh, use case that we call. So this is more for customers who have a cloud first strategy. So most of the data is already in the cloud, but they do have uh, small lightweight data centers where they would want to bring data so that it's closer to access and they're not incurring the egress charges of the cloud every time they want to access the data. So in this case, we are actually caching data on-prem. So the origins are in the cloud, but the caches are on-prem. And so you have quick access without having to go over the wire. Um, the third use case, uh, we don't really have anybody using it just yet, but I think it's, again, going to be compelling, is to remove any cloud silos. Uh, so even within the U.S., you have AWS East, AWS West, for example, within Amazon, or you have customers who have multi-cloud multi strategy. They do not want to rely on a single cloud, but they have some of the data sets in Azure, some in AWS, for example, right? So this might this makes it a silo today because you have no way of accessing data across two different clouds. What you could do in this case is have your origin on one cloud provider, say AWS, and then your caches on Azure or AWS East and West so that you, it's closer to the users wherever they are. And now think of the scale where you can put it across the world, how much more easier it is. So it allows for all of these use cases. And the best part is it's not just on-prem to cloud. Uh, so it is within multi-cloud, uh, cloud to on-prem, on-tap select to the cloud. We basically do not have any limitation on how the topology of your uh, caches and origins has to be. So you could spread your origins and caches however you choose to with, between uh, uh, engineered systems like AFFS, on-tap uh, cloud with CVO, or uh, on-tap select, however you choose to. So you mentioned that you could uh, have a cache that's local to a, a site. 
Um, and that's interesting because you're reducing those those costs for the for the cloud itself. Um, what it also provides is simplicity because a storage administrator doesn't have to worry about which data has got to come over. It's the user-driven piece, right? Totally. Uh, at any point, uh, FlexCache is totally user-driven. So only the data that the client actually requests is being pulled to the cache. So it is very sparse and space efficient in that way. Yeah. Can you imagine the egress charges if you've got all your data in the cloud? Imagine the egress charges if you've got, you know, a thousand clients reading, you know, thousands of files, thousands of times. I mean, can you imagine? I can't imagine the angst of, hey, I need file A, B, C, D, E, F, and then directory C, Y, Z. And I'm just like, no, just get it yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, but the cool thing is, you know, client goes, grabs the data from from the cache, and guess what? It's the origins in the cloud. It reads it once. There's your first egress charge. The next time somebody else wants to read that same data, there is no egress charge. So, Shreya, when you present this to customers, what are they saying to you? I think there's a lot of excitement uh, when we uh, share this. For one, I think the, the first piece is um, where enterprises have that cloud cloud strategy that they need to be there, but they don't really know how to. I think it gets them excited that this is a very low stepping point for them to get into the cloud. The other one is where they're obviously already in the cloud, but they're finding new use cases. So uh, we, we do have uh, customers who have uh, reacted very positively uh, to this and are excited. So we have a long list of customers who are actually waiting to try and uh, waiting for 9.6 to go live so that they can get their hands on this. Chris, do we have any uh, place we can find information about this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me. You have to ask, don't you? I do. It's <laughs> the test. So the material is currently getting posted or should be posted probably by the time this podcast airs. But uh, TR4743 uh, is the FlexCache and ONTAP TR. Uh, it has some of the cloud use cases on it, uh, very briefly touching because it's more of a deep dive. Of course, uh, you know, www.netapp.com, of course, you can go there. I'm sure cloud, or in cloud.netapp.com will have something also, won't it? Exa yeah, exactly. So Cloud Central, what we call Cloud Central, that's cloud.netapp.com. That's really the you know the the one stop shop for all the cloud data services by NetApp. So all the cloud uh, services that we build with NetApp, you can find all the information there. Actually, that's even the place to even start accessing them uh, and, and move between the different uh, services. So over there, you could find information about it. Over there, you could uh, you know you could register to the blog series and to the webinar series. It's going to be. Uh, a webinar about it, uh, so you can find more and more resources uh, over there. You could find the, the TCO calculator, for example, for cloud volume on-tops, if you want to understand you know, what's going to be uh, your total cost of ownership at the end of the day using cloud volume on-top with because you could uh, understand it from there. So I really encourage you to go to cloud.netup.com. Could I try it out for free there? You could. You could. Uh, yeah, you're getting a 30 days free trial for uh, for, for cloud volume on tops. Yep. Yeah, and we could also do the FlexCache demos, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. If you need, by the way, if you need any help um, in cloud.nano.com, uh, even in the product, even in cloud volume on top and cloud manager actually there's always um, at the right uh, button side there's a chat. 
So you could always just ask a question. Um, we'll wake up and uh, and answer anything that you want. So uh, um, really, it's a it's a great resource. Our customers love it. Uh, they ask us ton of questions, whether it's technical, whether it's you know business pricing, understanding this or that. So it's a it's a great way to communicate with us and get uh, you know get help very quick. If you want to uh, see a demo, uh, we could. Uh, you know, we could uh, uh, pop on a jump on a on a Zoom call and you know show you how it works and uh, and and help you get started. Do we have any recorded demos that I can access through YouTube's? Not yet. They are coming. I am actually putting one together as we speak. I like to put you on the spot, Chris. Of course, you always want to put me <laughs> on the spot. There's videos coming for. Uh, first one's going to be the basic how to flex cash. Um, it's not, you know, it's on tap is on tap is on tap regardless of where it is. So it's mostly going to look the same if it's cloud volumes on tap, uh, on tap select or uh, AFFS. I, I envision this chat box like having a little finger attached to the end and it just pokes Orin whenever they get a chat question. <laughs> poke, poke. That was, is that how that works technically? It's um, it's not a giant finger. That yeah, you. it's a third. <laughs> it's a third. <laughs> um, yeah, it's almost, no. It actually they push us with the you know with the leg. Oh, I getting kick, kicked. Yeah, and kicks you. Actually, you. Yeah, and you have you. to answer. Does yeah. anyone ask relationship advice on these chat questions? <laughs> oh, you can't imagine the. Okay, there were some. <laughs> there were some. There were some things that we cannot share in terms uh, because of uh, because I, I signed the code of conduct, so I cannot share things that we're we've been asked there. It's that good. Oh. So what I what I imagine is <laughs> this is what I imagine. I imagine people ask questions to this chat box, thinking it's like it's not a real person that it's a chat bot. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be hilarious and ask horrible things, but in reality, it's Orin. He's he's like he's very sensible and he's very conservative, and his eyes are just wide. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to answer yeah. this. What, what am I doing? On the other end, on the other end, when those are automated messages, still people, you know, refer to it as it's a it's a human being. Then they're saying, Yeah, thanks. I, I really appreciate that you told me this. Yeah, I'm just I'm just a robot. I was just yeah. told to do that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a tricky world we live in. Well, we have Elio, <laughs> you know. Well, Elio, I mean, you know Elio is probably like developed a personality by now. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I, I I don't know what kind of personality, but Elio should have a personality. I'm a little worried about Elio. Um, <laughs> so I think we covered the caveats kind of interspersed within that. Shreya, Chris, do we need to cover anything else with caveats? Not that I can think of right now. It's just the biggest thing, of course, is the protocols um, and what features are actually supported. Uh, the TR has a good matrix of what volume features are actually supported, what volume features aren't. Like, you can't have a flex group as an origin. Sorry, Justin. Boo. No, it's coming, though. But no, you can't have a flex group as an origin. Um, but just little things like F-policy auditing, you know, little things like that. The, there's some caveats there. All right, Chris, Shreya, Oren, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, again, Chris, if we want to reach you, how do we do that? Twitter, it's at AverageGuyX, and I got a blog too, AverageGuyX.blogspot.com. All right, Shreya. Yeah, thank you, Justin, for having us here. Uh, anybody can reach me at uh, Shreya, S-H-R-I-Y-A, at NetApp.com. 
And last but not least, Oren. Thanks for inviting me. So for me, LinkedIn, so uh, Oren in bar, O-R-E-N-I-N-B-A-R, and probably the only Oren at NetApp. So, so is it faster name. to reach you on LinkedIn or the chat box? <laughs> um, you could do A-B testing and see. There we go. Let's do that. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like to share today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Chris Hurley, Shreya Paramkusam, and Orrit Inbar for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.